Welcome to Catholic in America. Today we are talking about controversial Catholic influencers. We'll look at the widespread influence of these controversial Catholic figures and why it's so appealing to so many people and how we as faithful members of the church can navigate these strange waters that we're in. We won't mention any names, but you know who we're talking about. Welcome back to Catholic in America. I am Father Michael Nixon. I'm joined, as always, by Father Tom Dillon and by Father Doug Martin. So Good you know. to be here. Good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, we are not Catholic influencers. Uh, we have this show, but we're going to be right. talking today about controversial Catholic influencers. So when we talk about this, uh, how widespread is this? And what, what, is, what is the impact that is felt by people that take controversial stances within the church? Sometimes it's right, sometimes it's left. Um, and the culture wars, and have a huge influence uh, across for many people that are online. I think it depends on which particular figure you're talking about, but you can have widespread influence. I mean, some some of these influencers actually are, are influencing society it's, uh, itself. They're in they're, some of them are on the news, some of them are in magazines, but a lot of this is just going on in Catholic circles themselves, and it's pretty widespread in the Catholic circles. Well, and social media. Social media is probably one of the biggest platforms as social media has kind of transformed, as everyone knows, the face of our world. Mm. So I think that like in the past, like your ability to influence people was limited uh, because like when Martin Luther penned up his 99 thesis on the uh, yeah. doors of the 95? 95, 95, yeah, yeah, 95. yeah whatever, whatever we'll most. take how many of yeah. 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 There should have been like zero, but right, right. Uh, maybe two, two, <laughs> two. selling indulgence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, when you, though, the influence that you have, though, with social media platforms, and so like the ability to hit a lot more people, but also cause a lot more problems. Yeah, I think it's interesting you bring up the 95 thesis of Martin Luther, because I think that's a good sort of, seen as maybe even a turning point in history, I mean, you know, as, as like this public statement of what was going wrong and putting like, saying maybe it's something that other people were feeling in a clear way or in a way that at least kind of galvanized a response from others um, in this public forum. And I think that's maybe a great example of now we have social media that, that magnifies that by a, a million fold where right. anybody's opinion basically can become, if it catches enough people, can become something that, that influences a lot of, of others. Right, I mean, because you know, you know, back in the 70s and the 80s, you'd have passed around some little magazine or something, you tried to get subscriptions to you, you know, and maybe like in that movie Conspiracy Theory, you know, he had 19 subscribers and he was like, yeah, I'm getting big time now, you know? And so now, I mean, you look at these social media platforms and it's not even necessarily even your subscribers, but it's also that it's being shared as well. So yeah, the platform has really grown and it's grown for just anyone. Mm -hmm. It's not just the, the big names. I mean, anyone can kind of blow up at any moment. Right. And I think we should take this time to make sure you like, share, and subscribe <laughs> to our videos. And, uh, but so, so looking at that, obviously having influence is, is, is an essential part of leadership. It's not necessarily a bad thing. In the Catholic world, for those that aren't familiar with it, um, someone that cares about church politics, you know, what Bishop so-and-so said, um, uh, movements that the Pope is making, uh, different ways that the church influences or does, doesn't influence, influence culture, um, what are we seeing as far as kind of the, the, the ends of the spectrum, kind of the controversial aspect of, of those influence, influencers? What are some of the things that are, some of the, 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 the issues that are being, you know, talked about or maybe talked around uh, in, in a way that kind of impacts the rest of the church? Well, I mean, you have the, obviously you have, in the United States, we have the far right and we have the far left. So you have uh, voices on the far left who are advocating for not just social change, but ethical change in how we approach ethics, sexual morality, changes in terms of dogmas and doctrines on how we view uh, sacramental theology. Like, so you have these, these persons who are pushing on the far left, like drastic change, which kind of is what the word liberal kind of means is change and not all change is bad. But, right. but uh, advocating changes, especially in the far left, and there's pe persons who are really saying, well, church needs to change its position on homosexuality, needs to change its position on uh, female clergy, needs to change mm. its position upon a lot of the different issues that the uh, cultural wars are based around, especially in, on today. On the opposite extreme, you have the far right. Um, if we're talking about Catholic far right, like people who are um, pushing for, I mean, excommunication of all people who are on the left, 
you're, uh, that the maybe the liturgy of the Catholic Church, that the way in which we celebrate the Mass, that this is completely not real. It's it's fake. It's phony. Vatican II was a sham. Mm. Um, and you also have persons who've gotten entwined within the political sphere probably too much, and that like Republican politics are Catholic politics. And if you disagree with the Republican Party, like this is something which makes you a bad person and makes you a heretic or makes you um, so. I mean, you have those two far extremes. Um, I wouldn't say that those, that sometimes I think that the controversial leaders play to those extremes, although they don't always fall into the same traps that people on the extremes oftentimes fall into. Another mm. one you throw in there too is, is, is whether uh, the Pope, you know, whether Pope Francis is a valid Pope, yeah. whether what he's doing is, is good or bad, whether he should be doing something or he shouldn't be doing something. So yeah, I mean, there, there's lots of things that go into that. And, and unfortunately at this point, some of that polarization happens based on political lines rather than really on what church teaching is and in, insanity in sometimes. Right, right. And I think the, the point, to, to your point, Father Tom, the, that maybe not making clearly this point, the church needs to teach its, change its, its teaching on this sexual ethic, or Pope Francis isn't the real pope, that instead these influencers seem to kind of swirl enough doubt or suspicion or instances or things on, on either side of those things, and I would say both those things are wrong. Pope Francis is the true pope. <laughs> the Catholic sexual, sexual ethic does not change. Uh, the truth is the truth is the truth, recognizing that reality. Uh, but in a sense, being able to, uh, while not having to make the point, so then people say, okay, they're no longer Catholic because they made that point, they can still maintain their Catholic, their Catholic card while doing everything they possibly can through tweets, through videos, through responses, to sow doubt, or at least to try to nudge public opinion in the direction that they want it to go. Right. Come right up to the edge of saying what their comments are intimating, but not actually saying it themselves. Mm -hmm. and, and so what happens is, is like you said, it, it causes some confusion out there, or it makes people go to the logical conclusion of what they're saying. And well, the logical conclusion, but logical conclusion, which is oftentimes based on an emotional response. Right. So these, and that's, I mean, that's always the thing, like with tweets and with uh, all the different ways in which people, you want to catch people's opinion. So you say these these blanket statements to try to get as many posts as many people are going to look at. It's clickbait. Um, and so like, it's, it's not just like the reason, it's right. also like this appealing to the emotions, which obviously within our political sphere like we have that as well as, I mean, commentators and yeah. the 24 news cycle, appeal, the appeal to emotion. And I think it's important for us to recognize this is something that within the Catholic world that we're, we're focusing on. And I think hopefully for anyone who is Catholic or interested in the Catholic church, this is helpful to be able to sort of discern how can you live your faith authentically? How can we, how can we practice our faith without losing our soul, so to speak, right. as far as being in place of division or hatred or, or um, where a lot of these... these or uncertainty. Uncertainty, yeah. yeah, fear, living out of that place of fear. But it also, it bleeds over into every other issue, every other... I'm sure people that follow tech magazines or follow, you know, soccer, that there, there's camps that are forming in there as far as as far as what you can and can't be, what, whatever the orthodoxy is, and experience these same sort of influences. Um, I, I think for us, uh, we need to take a look maybe more intentionally at at kind of the why, why people are, are looking at this, why people are attracted to this, why it becomes uh, a blogger in whatever city with a, a camera or a priest in whatever city with a, 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 a microphone and a camera can all of a sudden start influencing the church more than bishops, more than the Pope sometimes. Right, right. Or like, what is, what is the why behind that? So we're gonna, we're gonna dive into that why. Um, we're gonna take a quick break to hear from our, our sponsors, but uh, stay tuned and we'll, we'll continue to explore this very important topic. Hey guys, thanks for checking out Catholic in America. I'm Father Michael Nixon, and I like to party. <laughs> <laughs> and I am Father Tom Dillon, a priest here in the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee. I think I have the longest hair in the, probably the state, and uh, I too like to party. I like whiskey and cigars. Father Doug Martin. I'm also a priest here in the Diocese of Pensacola, Tallahassee, and I'm married and roll tide. Oh my goodness. Oh, yes, yeah. sir. <laughs> I was okay with the being married part. <laughs> <real tie thing. laughs> in Catholic in America, we engage the intersection between faith and culture. Tune in every week because no topic is out of bounds. We want to thank you so much for supporting this show by watching it, by liking, sharing, and subscribing. How else can they support the show? You can also become a patron on Patreon and support us financially. 
So if you support us, there's all kinds of swag. There's T-shirts, there's coffee mugs, or maybe bumper stickers. I don't know. Maybe we could come up with a wig from Father Tom. <laughs> Father Tom wig would go, go a long way. So thanks for your support. God bless y'all. And check us out next time on Catholic in America. Hey guys, welcome back to Catholic in America. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe so that we too can become Catholic influencers. <laughs> Catholic influencers. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully uh, ones that build up people right. um, in, in, a, in a positive way. So we look at the why. Why are people attracted to this? Why? What can describe or kind of um, uh, explain the success that certain people um, had this exponential influence upon the church? Oftentimes, for, for, um, in ways that are divisive or or, or uh, destructive, even. Well, I think there's multiple causes for the reason. I would say one of the reasons why there's multiple. It's and so I don't want to place it into one category, but I think that there's been a, a real lack of strong leadership mm. um, in the world. I mean, if you look at the political sphere, even in the church, uh, we've had some great bishops and some great popes. But there's also been the perception of a severe lack of leadership, especially in light of the sexual abuse scandal. And like the, the severe um, problem that has arisen with that, as well as like the lack of response, perceptions and all, as well as the reality of like the scandals as they kind of have, have stricken the church the last 20 years. And so in the absence of strong leadership, people are wondering, well, where's the leadership? And like in the absence of that leadership, like there's a vacuum. Yeah. I mean, I think too, something that I see a lot is someone able to give kind of the, the behind the scenes. This is the real thing of what's happening. Like you see just confusion in the church secret or in knowledge. politics. Kind of a, almost like <laughs> yeah, a Gnostic yeah. secret yeah. knowledge. Like if you're on the inside, you realize, oh, it's because of this. Yeah. This is why all these priests are, are, are doing that. Or this is why, you know, this bishop didn't say the thing that I wanted him to say to a politician. Or, or kind of, you know, that, that's that sort of insider knowledge that we're all, it's a danger for any of us to kind of fall sure. into, to try to be in the inside, trying to be in the secret club. Yeah. And I think that it definitely plays into that as well when we're talking about um, well, you influencers. Know, we'll see behind the curtain, you yeah, know, the Wizard absolutely. of Oz, absolutely. I mean, I think another thing too is, is fear. Mm. That, that There's this fear of things are changing, and, and I'm not so sure I like this kind of a change, or I'm not so sure I want it to change. And, and the fear that— Well, it's not changing—it's not going to change the way I want it to unless right. I do something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and the fear that, that, yeah, it's not going to change, or the fear that it might actually change and, and change my whole perception reality of what I understand myself as as a Catholic and how I, you know, am, am supposed to relate to the world— and then also a fear of that we're not going to be led. I mean, the very things that you're saying, the fear that we're not going to be led, the fear of what's actually going on behind the scenes. Now, all this stuff just kind of causes us to start looking for reasons why things are the way they are. And when no one's speaking, as you were saying, when no one's speaking, or it seems like no one's speaking, then that fear just gets greater and greater. And so you want to hear it from someone. Yeah. So if someone comes up and says, I've got some inside knowledge, or I know what's going on, or gives a plausible reason for mm -hmm. something— you go, yeah, that's got to be it. I also, yeah. I also think that there's another factor, which is the consumption of knowledge. Like we're consuming so much. Or information, at least. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe that's not knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. Information, yeah. not yeah. knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But like we're so used to so much information being pushed at us, that especially in a society where everything is about instant gratification, I get my immediate answer. And answers which sometimes take a little bit more thought or which take understanding a whole process or a whole institution like to understand certain things, like, but people who want instant gratification, instant answers to complex. It's like when people ask you, like, why does evil exist in the world? Well, that takes a, as we all know, yeah, that takes one we need at least two that. episodes yeah. to answer yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. that's, people <laughs> want the quick, the fast, the easy, mm -hmm. and there are persons out there who will try to give you a, a quick, fast, easy, that doesn't take the, the thought, or at least understanding the structures of how things work, and so there's, I think there's a certain level of superficiality 
in terms well, of how people that's what look. I was yeah. going to say. I mean, the yeah. Catholic Church has never worked that way. I mean, nothing really has worked that way, but the Catholic Church especially has never really worked that way. It's at always taken it. Yeah, There's definitely been times when we have worked that way. <laughs> well, but yeah. I, I love, I, you guys yeah. know that I love Tolkien, but I yeah. think that when I look at Tolkien's work, especially Lord of the Rings, yeah. uh, I, I kind of wonder, did actually Tolkien, who is a really strong Catholic and had yeah. a lot of Catholic influences, like when you look at the Entmoot, the Ents, the tree creatures in the Lord yeah. of the Rings, they talk very slow. They move very slowly. Yeah, when they move, when they actually move, they move with great power. They right. destroy Saruman's whole right. uh, tower. They bring everything down. But yet, it's the whole thing. People get impatient with the church right. because the church, like the Entmoot, talks yeah. Yeah. very meticulously, goes very slowly. It's very cautious about actually exercising the use of power which it has and so there's but there can be frustrations especially in society people are like and I that won't. goes back to the vacuum something's yes. going to fill that yeah and when, since we are instantaneous i want to say a point to maybe, maybe disagree on the face of it with it's not always just a shallowness or a laziness of thinking sometimes a presentation might be a shallow part and there's a lot of thought behind it so those that maybe that are thought leaders or thinkers or are influencing things or do have a good social media following, that doesn't necessarily, and it might be something I totally disagree with, that doesn't necessarily entail that there's not thought behind it. No. But the thought isn't what's driving it forward, if, if that makes sense. You know, it's, sure, it's, I, is it, is it, does it, is it, does it grab people in, in an immediate way? And that's, that's maybe where it can be dangerous because it doesn't have to be true in order for it to do that. Right. But if you were to ask anyone on the opposite side, so if you talk to a far right person, who's evaluating the people on the far left, mm -hmm. they're going to say, well, those people are just dumb and stupid. Right, they're right. not thinking. Versus yeah. the people yeah. on the far left are just like, do you understand how 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 naive and stupid you are? So like, right. that, yeah. And, but there, I do think that We've been called that too. I do think that there is some validity <laughs> to the point that, not not all, most certainly not all people right. are shallow and, and not um, well-educated in their thought, but there's a lot of, but especially like with a lot of, especially the younger generation who... Uh, just want immediate answers to questions. Yeah. Like maybe not older, but uh, a lot of the young people. How much do you think that the fact that we've just gone through this this coronavirus 2020 now 2021, and people spent so much time online, so much time at home. How much how much did that added to like exacerbated these divides or elevated these certain people who really know how to plug into that? Yeah. Well, um, I mean, well when you got yeah. nothing to do, I mean, except be online or watch TV or whatever it is. I mean, if this is something you truly care about, and it, at some point, I mean, there's still parts of our country, I think there's still parts of our country that haven't even gone back to mass yet, haven't even gone back to church yet. So even, even when they want to hear something, they've got to view it online. If they're watching a mass that's being celebrated somewhere else, or if they're wanting to see the opinion of even their bishop, it's done online. And so there's some of this that it kind of got, we all kind of got drawn into it because we were told, watch TV and see what's going to happen the next day with the coronavirus or whatever it is. And as things are happening with the George Floyd stuff, with the, you know, the things that are going on in the church, the election, all of those things were kind of drawn into that. And so there was almost kind of natural that that would happen. And so when that vacuum starts happening, as we were talking about that, where there's not being, um, you know, where there's not answers even at the moment. I mean, I think a lot for a lot of us, the coronavirus and especially as priests and bishops, um, you know, we didn't have answers because we were still waiting on information, we're still yeah. waiting on knowledge, but we wanted answers now. Mm -hmm. And so when you start getting them from somewhere else that they should be saying this or they should be doing that, then yeah, you start playing into that. You start listening to that. And so and that voice becomes louder. And so now that you're coming back into things, you're still listening to that person you counted on during that time. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to break down a little bit these, these three sort of areas that we, we, we briefly touched on, but how this sort of cloud around it uh, doesn't really help us, how we need clarity within those areas. So the first being, and this is, I guess, tenet, more of a tendency of a far-right kind of mentality, if you want to put it in those terms, of that Pope Francis is some, somehow not really the Pope, that Pope Benedict really is secretly kind of a conspiracy theory behind that. Um, we, we can talk about that. The, uh, the other kind of the other side of that, that sexual morality within the church, and again, a lot of thought leaders and influencers, and I would say controversial Catholic influencers, uh, basically, the sexual morality in the church is going to change or should change. And while most of the people that are leading that won't outright say, you know, the changes that they, they think need to happen, whether it's it's uh, okaying 
homosexual marriage or contraception or, or whatever the case, but sex outside of marriage, um, whatever it might be, but it's sense kind of fortifying that position by all, all the points that they're making. And then the liturgy, people saying that, you know, that, that the liturgy itself is not valid. You know, it's maybe more, more kind of a, a right sort of thing uh, of, for some people and maybe just constantly pointing out, a, you know, shortcomings within the liturgy as, as we celebrate it. So, so let's start with the Pope Francis aspect. Maybe some, what are some of the things that we've heard and how can we ask for more clarity from people for the sake of, of the church? Because obviously him being the legitimate successor of St. Peter is very, very important for us as Catholics. And if not, that's not the case, we have a lot of other problems. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think some of the things that, that uh, has been passed around and has been, and has been spoken into is, is that um, that that. Um, Pope Benedict Emeritus did not ever actually retire. That he was either forced out or the paper he signed wasn't a legitimate resignation. And so because of that, Pope Francis is kind of a phony pope. He's kind of a play pope. And they're really holding Pope Benedict down over in the Vatican. And that the Pope Pope Francis is the one who's really, you know, shouldn't be there. And so we're being led in the air by this phony or fake pope. This is something that's being not said outright, but hinted at. Well, some, some, hinted some, at. Some, some, some are be, saying it. Yeah. Some yeah. are saying yeah. outright. He's an yeah. anti-pope. Yeah. And so when that does come up, how if someone were to say that to you, for instance, I just saw this video and this came yeah. up. They talked about this and this discrepancy and Pope Francis blinked, you know, and when he should have <laughs> winked or something like that, and and you know, uh, Pope Pope Benedict <laughs> crossed his fingers, right, right, waved, waved the wrong way, and this <laughs> is because of all these again, seeing in a sense, kind of a conspiracy theory around this. How can how can someone sort of counteract that? Not with again, there might be some parts of it that are true or things that sure. I'm that sometimes have come out of a place of frustration where I love sure. Pope Benedict and I'm, and I'm you know and I don't always know I'm confused by Pope Francis, so I want to clarify that, like we said. So how 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 can we respond in good faith and try to seek some clarity there? The first thing is, is is just reality itself. I mean, we we know that these things are. are I mean, the church is not going to act. You're not going to fool. You know, hundreds of cardinals, hundreds of bishops all around the world into thinking that the, that this guy's a legitimate pope if it's not true. Right. I mean, well, Pope Benedict has said that Pope Francis is is the legitimate pope. Absolutely. He, he stepped down. You know, all, he stepped all, down, all, moved out, yeah, willing absolutely. to retire. I mean, absolutely. all of those sorts of things. And so, it, it so then we have to deal with the truth, though. Maybe this is the thing to acknowledge to people. Yeah. Let's deal with your struggles with Pope Francis. Yeah. If you struggle with Pope Francis, because sometimes people are struggling with Pope Francis. This comes to me a lot. You know, yeah. we, li we live in the South. Some, some people are very, very conservative in their politics and their way of viewing yeah. church. And, and they, they just hear Pope Francis through the New York Times sort of right. lens that he's a liberal or something. And so we've talked about that on the show before. But maybe helping people to actually engage with their struggles instead of, it sounds, of course, to play footsie <laughs> with, yeah. these, well, with these, mm -hmm. these uh, conspiracy theories that aren't helpful and just lead to, to sow seeds of doubt. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's also part of the problem is that the people that they can go to are exactly the people that the media as well as other sources have cast doubt and aspersions on. Mm. Yeah. So like, I would say like, go to your priest, go to this, but like, there were these, some of these same voices are coming out and saying, you can't trust your bishop, you can't trust your local clergy, you can't because they've all been co-opted. Right. They're all part of the system, they're all part of the, the secret underground. Um, and so like, that's, that's the thing is like, you're also dealing with doubt as you had doubt cast as well as from the reality of like, the scandals and things like that, people have well-reasoned well doubt. Mm. And so like, it's, it's hard because I would normally say like the way that you solve that problem is go to the competent authority. That's what St. Ignatius like in his right. Rules of Discernment talks about. Right. Go to the competent authority, don't go to the incompetent authority, go to someone who's well-educated and who knows what they're going on. But that's the same thing. These voices on social media platforms are, are spewing uh, doubt and mistrust of authority. It's, and that, there's a good reason to sometimes be critical and to mistrust authority, especially if it's proven to, and it's, it's a proven source of abuse. But that's where like a lot of, there's, and there's always this, this level where, oh, you can't trust anyone. And so like- Except for me. Except right. someone. For, yeah. Right. yeah. Well, yeah. And, and I think also too, we, we, we have this tendency not, to, you know, we don't want people to doubt. You know, we want people to hold to something firm and, and stay committed to it. And so on, on the one side, we think if we doubt, we're not standing firm and committed to it, which isn't true. But on the other side of it too, we want them to just blindly follow, and, and, and that's you know some of that has happened in the past. Mm. And so the reason I think sometimes people look into these things and want to see behind the curtain is because 
there's at times when this right. wasn't done. And so Absolutely. now that, you know, now that, that, you know, and so the more explicit we can be about these things, the more that we can show the, the, the truth or, or the, the, you know, the problem with what's being insinuated, then, then, you know, hopefully that'll, that'll lead to clarity. But you're right. When there's different voices coming from different places and the authority has been given to someone who seems to be more trusting than your local priest, than your local bishop, then, yeah, I mean, it's a hard issue. Or when we, as the local priests or bishops or whoever, aren't saying anything, right. going back to that vacuum, how easy is it, is, is it for, for that, that vacuum for to, to be, be filled? filled? And uh, if Pope Francis says, he says a lot of things off the cuff. Sometimes he's yeah. misquoted. There was a documentary that came out recently about him that was terribly yeah. cut up and, 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 yeah. and made to seem like he was saying things he was not saying about homosexual marriage and lots of very controversial, difficult topics that he was trying to be pastoral and approaching. Um, so that just gets put forward. And, and there's always that great line of, of you know, that the, a lie gets halfway around the world before the truth gets its pants on. You know, I right, mean, that right. like it yeah. spreads quick. Right. And so asking people the question, how do I know that this is true? Right. And, and being, being able to be very, you know, that's the same thing just in general conversation, but particularly when it comes to the Pope, that Pope Francis legitimately elected successor to St. Peter, the rock upon which Jesus builds his church, right. the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's, a, that's an act of faith that we've made, not because of how holy the Pope is, but because Jesus is, is faithful to his responses. Right. So maybe being able to, I would say to challenge people to say, do we believe that Jesus is faithful to his, to his, his promises yeah. to us? And if so, can he work through Pope Francis Absolutely. And what maybe is the Lord trying to teach us? Pope Francis is a sinner just like any one of us. Absolutely. Uh, but maybe what is the Lord teaching us? And, and again, so I, I think that that challenge, being able to say like, yeah, I do struggle with this aspect. Yeah. Just like, you know, um, if I'm an associate pastor and I have a pastor that says something, I might struggle with it. And I have to wrestle with it. Does that mean I need to second guess everything this person does? Probably not. Um, hopefully not. Hopefully I, right. I can get to a more healthy place. But I think that the same has to be true. We have to have at least Christian charity for someone who's in a very difficult job of being the Pope. But right. yeah, um, you know, you see this in, in politics sometimes. You got to believe, you got to agree with them, believe everything the person says, or else you can't really get behind them. And you're like, it's just not reality. That's just not the way things really work. Mm -hmm. It's fine for for the Pope to say things that may challenge me, things that I may even think he's wrong about. For me to still say that's you know that's Papa. That, Pers that's... Pers personally, not wrong. Not when he's teaching on faith and morals. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. Right. Thank you for that. Yeah. His approach to doing things doesn't have to sure. be the way that I would do it. it. But again, I if I was it. if I was in that position, which <laughs> I don't think anyone ever want to be in that position, no. how would we respond when you're seeing it from that perspective? Well, Anytime you change change seats, so to speak. Very easy to be in the back seat. Yeah, yeah, it's very easy to be in the back and seat. And that's what definitely. a lot of people don't understand about Pope Francis is that almost all of his stuff that's coming out is pastoral directives, yeah. how to take care of people. He really has not been teaching about faith and morals. Like all of his, all of his directives have been about how do you take care of people in particular circumstances with particular things, and that's where there's a lot of leeway in terms mm -hmm. of pastoral directive. And, and so he, he's usually speaking into lax. He's usually yes. speaking into places where we're not doing what we should, which is what a good father should be doing, is pointing to his children saying, hey, this is areas where we're not at, or, well, even in general, you know, this is where we need to go. So I think we can say then Pope Francis is the Pope. Yes. I think where, where, where things are being hint, if something's continuing to hint otherwise, that to me is just a discernment to say, I probably don't need that influence in my life. Yeah. If someone was in your life continually hinting that your wife that you disagree with and struggle to love <laughs> at times, if she was a bad person or duplicitous or an adulteress, never actually says it, but keeps hinting at it, there's something about that relationship that we need to distance ourselves from yeah. and, and be able to accept, accept criticism, but, but those sort of negative voices. So we'll put that to the side now. We've settled it. Pope Francis is the real Pope. He is real Pope. Um, we all have to struggle to love him and pray with and for him and rejoice that God has given us a Pope. And uh, so, yeah, so, so we lift him up to the Lord's Just mercy. Just like if he knew us, he'd probably struggle. Exactly. <laughs> from from St. Peter all yeah. the way to him, yeah, that's right. it's been a struggle, and it that's okay. Been. And the yeah. Lord has still been faithful and still, yeah. still worked through his Absolutely. church. So let's talk about something more controversial. No, um, <laughs> to, to go from that to the other side of kind of these controversial influencers that move towards or try to influence the church or the world to see the church's teachings, particularly on sexual morality, as something that's going to change, something that's 
inevitable change. It's unjust if it doesn't change. It's um, it's horrific if we enforce these rules. These sort of things, again, not maybe necessarily saying it out loud specifically, but hinting enough at it to cast a lot of doubts for those who maybe already struggle to live the church's teachings. Well, and you, and you saw that even with, with one of Pope Francis's recent statements about same-sex unions and marriage. Um, you saw the general population, general public, not even just Catholics, but the general public coming out and saying just how disappointed they were in his statements and how troubling it was to hear the Pope saying something like that, almost as if, like you're saying, saying what? I'm sorry, not, not everyone else. knows, knows well, what Well, Well, that, that same-sex unions and, and marriages are, are still not uh, able to be blessed by the by the Catholic Church. Those aren't because they're sinful. That we can do because they're sinful. Yeah, absolutely. That, so, which is what the church has always taught. Always, and we're always and we're shocked and, and, by it. And there's no yeah. reason to even think that it's going to change, except that we've had people who've intimated that it may change. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, but but this tells you the influence that they had. That the general population, that not just Catholics, but and not just Christians, but that people in the general population really thought this might happen. Yeah, but there's a there's a commonality between both what we were talking about before and the persons who are speaking on the far right, and then the same thing which is happening on the far left is which is the use of ambiguous language. Yeah, and that's what these these uh, commentators and these Catholic leaders who are using very ambiguous language, which that they are stating things, they're implying certain things without stating them concretely, and then leaving their readers or their listeners to infer what they want. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they're speaking to these things that people feel very strongly about on the far right, far left, and then, but and so they infer it, like they they kind of through the use of ambiguous, kind of unclear, clouded language, kind of hinting, intimating towards things, but without ever directly coming out and saying this is what's going to happen. Right. And because if they do that, then they know that they're that they they they've pin, crossed they, the line. They, they, they pin themselves into a corner. Right. So like, if they come out yeah. and say the church is going to <clears throat> do this because. Uh, the LGBTQ movement is legitimate and justified. Well, the church is going to come down and, and like a hammer. Yeah, but that—that's why the, these leaders are going to are very are use this kind of this implication, mm-hmm. and that's where so they can say, "I didn't say that." Yeah, that's what they said. Right, I, I didn't say that. that. I believe and teach everything the Catholic Church believes, but but in a sense, I question and chip away everything in the way that the church the church applies it, which questioning the way that the church reaches out to those in difficult difficult marital situations, those who struggle with same-sex attraction or transgender ideology, whatever it is, being able to love them better and serve them more, absolutely. Sure. We're, we're always called conversion there. So not to discount, and this is the same is true for those on the right or the left or any of the, the anywhere in between, to take seriously the criticisms and how it's calling us to should the church have greater accountability and leadership and should you know should the pope or bishops be more clear and dynamic yeah absolutely yes and and also too should the church do a better job of, of accompanying people in difficult circumstances however and this is the big however is to use in a sense being pastoral as a kind of like a catch-all term that basically um, allows us to get rid of truth objective truth morality uh, tradition, the tradition of the church, the difficult, hard-fought sexual ethic of the church. That's that's the, you know the church has the only ethics that I've seen that are consistent from yeah. moment of conceptions, the moment of death, and everything in between. In the way we're called to live our lives in society, both social ethics and ethics within the family, and sexual ethics, like all that sort of things. The, the church has worked hard upon this based on revelation, the Bible. Um, so to, in a sense, to, to call that into question, to throw that out for the sake of something being pastoral, to me, there's something disingenu- disingenuous about that. that. At least, maybe that's not the intention, well, but at least it, 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 it can feel like that sometimes. That that's, yeah, they're not really believing it, and they're trying to push, push the church in the direction towards what they believe or what they've already acquiesced. Yeah, let me go, going back to kind of what I was saying with uh, earlier, when I, I, I wasn't, when I said that, um, <clears throat> it goes to the point that like, people in there, like, uh, I didn't mean to infer that people were stupid. But some of these leaders are using very precise words, which people don't know what they mean. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of like when mom and dad is talking in the house, and they're using language, which is coded language, which they know what it means. They spell out ice cream. The kids cream. don't understand yeah. what it yeah. means, which is why, like, when I read the, when I read some of these people in the far right or far left, especially in the far left, like, and that they're starting to use this language, which is very technical, they know that most people don't understand this language because you have to have a master's degree in theology to understand some of this language. Mm -hmm. But they use this to then lead their persons who are listening to them to start believing things which are erroneous, like that the church is gonna change its teachings because, oh, using pastoral language 
and then conflating it with theological language. Mm. If that makes sense. I mean, it right. makes sense mm-hmm. to you guys. I'm yeah. not sure if it does to our reader. To our, but like using, like switching in and out of the pastoral into the theological. And there's a very clear line between right. pastoral directions or how do I help a person in their particular situation grow closer to Christ? Right. Okay. And that person's changing. That person can change. Mm. Versus theological, which doesn't change. It grows, it expands, but it doesn't right. change. And that's where like these, these people on the far left who are implying that the church's foundation is going to change, that the mustard seed is going to become an apricot. Right, that's evolving, <laughs> yeah. not, that's yeah. evolving not, not um, growing. Growing, yeah. 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 The, uh, maybe, maybe just like a kind of a, a pithy example, if someone were to ask a difficult question about, you know, can my friend who is attracted to people of the same sex, can they marry this person of the same sex, and can you support them in that? If someone were to ask that difficult question, which objectively goes against, can I support something that morally is wrong, I can still love the person and object to their actions, that morally is wrong, and societally has on society there's an impact and can give scandal, if I avoid that by just saying, well, Jesus wants us to love everybody. Right. Again, which is totally true. It's, That's it's, absolutely It's true. the truest thing anyone's ever said before. Right, right, right. But in a sense, avoids having had the difficult conversation of, it's a of, deflection. A, a deflection. It's a deflection. Rather than an engagement. And I think online kind of breeds that sort of deflection. So if anything, say if the church were, were, were um, the Vatican office re- recently restated the church saying we cannot bless homosexual unions, homosexual marriages in, in different countries throughout the world that, that are accepting these uh, because it's not the same as marriage and because it right. is, is blessing a, a sinful state. We can bless the people. You can always bless people. We love people right. and we want to you know, bless and uphold them. But the marriage in and of itself that that gets responded to by people on this as like, well, I wish the church was more loving. Yeah. Again, not untrue. I wish the church was more loving too. You know, that's actually a true statement. But in a sense, in light of this, instead of saying, yeah, this is difficult and we all have to grapple with this truth. And even if you're you're on the other side of this, we're calling you to conversion as well. And we'll walk with you the whole way because God is love. Like, again, it, it throws out a blanket, as you said, that ambiguous statement that chips away trust and helps people to live hope. I mean, God have mercy on all of us. Yeah. But in a in a in a state of life that's that's not open to the fullness of grace that God wants for us. So is it loving? And maybe this is the challenge too for somebody that's maybe kind of living in those areas of the internet or living in those areas. Maybe just thinking of of, of how can we respond to them lovingly and encourage them to look more deeply at the church's teaching on. And a lot of times it does have to do with sexual ethics. Um, you know, disagreements there. How can we challenge them or encourage them to maybe look at this from a different angle to be changed by, by the teaching rather than just to hope that the teachings themselves are going to change? What I'd say is that we don't need a church and we don't need leadership when we are right. We need it when we're wrong. And recognizing that we're all sinners. Every, we all are at various different stages in our journey with Christ. But like we need the leadership and especially the moral speaking authority of the church to give us direction in turbulent times where there's confusion and that's why we have the church. That's why Christ mm-hmm. left us the church and why the Holy Spirit is speaking to us through the church. It's not just a bunch of old men in Rome. This right. is the presence of the Holy right. Spirit who's active and present in the body of Christ, in the bride, which is the church. And so like trusting in the church and allowing the Holy Spirit to renew our trust, not in all people, because some people are not worthy of trust, but in the, in the leaders that God has given to us. And that's where like going to this, I'd say is like, having a renewed sense and praying for the church, praying for the leaders of the church, but also like discounting the voices which try to sow discord, and which try to appeal to probability. In logic, it's called the appeal to probability. Like 98% of the, ch- of the time it's gonna be this, but like you have that 2% chance. Yeah. And so like it's a fallacy. Mm-hmm. Like when you say yeah. it's gonna be true because there's a 2% chance. Right. And like you can't disprove that. And making the argument based on that. You know, I, I mean, I, I think what, what we say to someone who, who approaches us in this situation is, uh, you know, first of all, the love of Christ, that, that God does love them and he does want them and he does um, he, he does accept them for who they are, but, but the, he always accepts all of us for who we are, but he also, also, he also calls us to change. Mm. He also calls us to the truth that we know. I mean, the Ten Commandments are, are, you know, always portrayed as a set of rules, and rules are bad. But really, the Ten Commandments are set out as a way of living, a way of loving each other. I mean, First John he says, you know, if you love, you know, to love God is to live the commandments. I mean, and so the way that we love each other is by living these things out for the betterment of each other. 
And so, you know, to ask that question, is this for the betterment of me? Is this for the betterment mm -hmm. of my of my soul, my spiritual, you know, the spiritual side of me? And is this better for my community, for my family? And, and so to ask those questions of God. Mm. I think one of the things that I've been amazed by, and we've talked some about it on, on the show and, and in various ways, is the more I explore the challenging teachings of the church, concrete teachings, not just pastoral applications thereof, but concrete teachings of the church on sexual morality, particularly through St. John Paul II with the theology of the body. So challenging to me, so difficult, like so like continues to call me to ongoing conversion, not just my actions, but my mind and heart and right. my prayer, everything, but so life-giving at the same time. And I think that that's maybe we can say, can we look at those people not just the ones who struggled to follow the church's teachings on sexual morality and resented it and hated it and then went the other direction, which is most of the voices that we hear. We see that a lot online where people say like, oh, I, I hate the church because of this and, and you know, you know, the church always oppressed me in this way. Um, God have mercy on us, Lord have mercy on us for, for um, your experience with that. But those who struggle to live it and have experienced the grace of living it as well. That to me is beautiful. When I see maybe even a couple who maybe didn't follow the church's teachings on contraception or sex before marriage, had conversions within their marriage even, maybe one couple converted and it took the other one a little bit longer and began to learn how to love each other with this new way of living in Christ, how beautiful that is. Not easy, it's never right. easy, but it, man, it, it really is beautiful. So maybe inviting people to explore that, explore the, the, the truth of the gospel in these areas that often just overshadowed by our own or weakness. But I love what you said there about, about conversion because I think the, the assumption is is that if someone's telling someone else that you need to convert, that the, the idea is, is that the person who's doing that is judging them or saying, I've already converted, you need to come with me. But but instead trying to help them to understand, no, I'm converting too. Mm. I'm not saying this is easy for me either. I mean, there's there's lots of things that may not be easy for me. Maybe this one is, but there's other things where I'm having to convert myself as well. And so as, as you walk that path of conversion, I'm still walking it myself. Mm. That's the whole point of this life is, is to convert ourselves, to, to not convert ourselves, but to allow the Holy Spirit and God to work in our lives so that we get to the point where He wants us to be. Absolutely. So we're going to talk about our last, last sort of segment of the internet where there's very controversial uh, Catholic influencers that, that do wield a lot of influence um, outside of the, the mainstream that we're used to from Catholic periodicals or Catholic you know, uh, bishops, which is the liturgy. And, 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 and I'll, I'll just say this, the thing that comes up a lot is maybe not saying it outright, but basically saying, and this might be very Catholic insider for those that, that, that aren't inside the church, that the, Cap, the Catholic liturgy, the, the Novus Ordo Mass, the Mass of, you know, in the vernacular since Vatican II, is not legitimate. That the real Mass is the Tridentine rite, the, the Mass of, of Pope John the Twenty-Third, or, or whichever version of the Latin Mass. But that's the real Mass, and anything since then. And oftentimes they'll they'll point to uh, very poorly celebrated Masses or clown Masses or or <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, puppet, we should I shouldn't laugh, but shouldn't yeah, laugh, but yeah, but that, 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 it's unfortunate. Or, uh, yeah. I would say liturgical <clears throat> abuses um, where, where the Mass has not been celebrated reverently or well, as like see how terrible that is. We, um, really, that's not the real Mass. The real, so again, making uh, some real points of of critique, but hinting towards the fact that really only the Latin Mass is valid. So how how, how, have you, how have you guys kind of experienced that? in your own lives and in, in ministry. Experience that very much. Um, I've, I've been told that if we would just bring back the the Latin, that people would come out of the woodworks and, and, and come back to the church. And, you know, I, I don't see how you can quantify, you know, that kind of a thing. And, and by saying that, it's saying, without saying it, that there's something wrong with what we're doing already, that what we're doing now isn't. And there's been commentators who've come out and said that the Tridentine Mass, the the you know, is more or the Latin Mass is what it's generally called or, or referenced as traditional Latin yeah, Mass, TLM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that it's more effectual. That the it it the grace that's given in it compared to the Novus Ordo is not the same mm -hmm. in the sense of there's more grace given. It's more holy because it's more transcendent. It's more. Um, you know, reverent, uh, all those things. The music's better, you know, whatever it may be, that, that it's better because of that. And so it meets people where they are in a better way than, than what the Novus Ordo may do. And, and so right. that's, I definitely hear that. And this is not to say, obviously, just for those clear that are listening, that, that those that have a preference for the Latin Mass, or the extraordinary form, that 
that this is your motivation. That what, no, what we're saying no. here is your motivation. We're saying that Same this, things heard. This, this are things that we have heard that have come up that appreciating the Latin mass then often can become this, this downgrading or this criticism or this reject, wholesale rejection of the, yeah. the ordinary form of the mass. Almost is, that yeah. there's a need to do that. Right. I'll, I'll, yeah. you know, if I like the Latin mass, then I have to downgrade the Novus Ordo to, to justify my choice to a certain extent. That that does happen too. And again, like you said, not everyone who goes, matter of fact, you probably said the vast majority is not that way. But you do hear that quite a bit. And there is influencers that are are Pushing ringing that. that bell a lot. Well, mm -hmm. and the guy kind of harkens back to Vatican II itself, where you had uh, Bishop Lefebvre, who uh, disagreed with the Council, uh, Second Vatican Council, in terms of its pastoral directives and the movements of the church uh, towards moving away from Latin and the masses that was being celebrated. Mm -hmm. And so, like, and then every council of the church going all the way back to Jerusalem, like, there's people who lost at the councils. And just because a person lost the council of the church, sometimes there's this naive expectation that, oh, okay, well, they lost and they agreed. No. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. Like the Arians, after the Council of Nicaea, were around for hundreds of years complaining bitterly that, right. that they were right and that the church was wrong. The, Ar the Nicene Christians were wrong. The Arians the, were. The, the Judaizers that Paul was struggling yeah, with after exactly. the Council of Jerusalem. That was, yeah, that was so that didn't go away. That yeah. went, it went like everybody said, oh, okay, moved yeah, on. So yeah, so like, there, but there, is those, there are those voices, and I'd say that they are, because my vast uh, encounters with most people who prefer the Trinitine rite, they're very faithful, they, they love yeah. the church, they, they prefer it because they do find it to be more sacred, yeah. um, it's celebrated, and the symbolism that they understand is much more uh, easy, easy to see at the transcendent, the beautiful, the sublime, mm -hmm. um, Especially with like the very poor rollout of the mass, as it was poorly rolled out, like there's 1960s, this, this, yeah, the 1960s yeah. and 70s, and so like there is this kind of this this return also to our, our Catholic heritage, our Catholic traditions, and so like there's a, there's this movement towards that, but then you have these these nitpicky voices um, who can sometimes sway those persons who just want to encounter God in a sacredness mm. in a sacred space that start to say to start playing the seeds of doubt again of saying, well, you know what, the Vatican II was wrong. The Mass should be celebrated in Latin because Latin is the real language of the Church, even though the original language of the Mass was Greek. Greek. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah. we've, we've transitioned and changed through time. And Greek is too liberal for me. I'm, I'm an Aramaic guy. <laughs> yeah. 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 Only Aramaic yeah. for me. It's like when people say, oh, I love it when, they, uh, when you do the Kyrie eleison, and thank you so much for doing it in Latin. Like, yeah. um, Kyrie is Greek. Greek. Yeah. <laughs> Greek. You know, but, but I mean, but too, it doesn't help the case of someone who, who is supporting the Novus Ordo, who's supporting it in the vernacular, when you do have I'm it. trying to do it beautifully. Yeah, you, if you do it beautifully, then I think some of these things will go away. I, I do think that some of the criticism is simply, you know, really should be probably do it with more reverence as opposed to we've got to use a different language. And right. so um, some, some of it, like we were saying, is legitimate, but that is what causes this cloud. That's what causes... Uh, you know, there's online people to be able to say, you know, to poke holes in it to the point where the the end result of this is the people who listen to it go, oh, I got to go to the Latin Mass if I want the real Mass. If you're looking for problems in the church, in any section of the church, you're going to find them. Oh, yeah. You're absolutely going to find them. If you're looking for problems in Masses, the way Masses are celebrated, you're going to find it. And, and so some people have dedicated their lives to talking about abuses in the liturgy. And there's something that's necessary about that. Those things need to be as painful as it is and as sad, we, we joked about clown masses or puppet masses or whatever. Like that, that's, that's heartbreaking that people take this sacred moment where, where God breaks into his creation to draw us all up in Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit into the heavenly throne room, which is what the liturgy is, right. to, to make it that banal, to make it that um, kind of pathetic, really. And, and so, so recognizing the need for, but if that becomes, if that's our focus, if every day, if, you're, if, if someone's at mass and every week, it's just, they didn't do this or they didn't, yeah, I can't believe they did that or they chose that song. And like, to me, there's something very tempting about that, but also too, it's definitely not life-giving. And, and maybe that could be something we can begin to ask people, what, what was something positive that, that you received from that mass that you went to um, with that priest who maybe doesn't do it as reverently as you would like or doesn't use Latin or, or, or doesn't choose songs that you would like. What, 
can we find any? Because if not, like we're, we're doing something wrong here. We're doing something wrong. We who, are, who come to the mass. Yeah. Um, so, so, so yeah. So maybe what's what's something that, that we can do? If that's that's a tendency which usually comes from a place of love for the liturgy, but can oftentimes, right. especially with the, the help of those Catholic influencers, become a, a place of, of just negativity. Right. I mean, because not everybody lives in a place where you could go to a Latin mass. I mean, matter of fact, I'd say there's probably most people don't. Or if you do, you're having to drive an hour, two hours, maybe even three hours just to get to one. And, and you know, I mean, I think at some point you have to ask yourself, is this really what God's calling me to do? I mean, it, you know, really the, the scriptures make it clear that, that we're supposed to be connected to a community. And, and usually that, that probably should be local if it can at all be. It's, it's different if you're living where you've got to go 30 minutes to an hour or an hour and a half just to a Catholic church, period. But to drive for preference, in particular type of preference, isn't necessarily bad if right. your motivations are good for it. But it can be a little damaging at times if that's the only reason you're going. Or, or I can't your motivations go to a, aren't a, bad. An, an English mass. I can't go. I can't. Like yeah. there, there's something that needs to be explored and exactly. obviously prayed through as well. Yeah. And specifically, if you're finding issues with it, as you're saying, and so you know, part of reverence, yes, part of the reverence of the mass itself does happen on the altar. It does happen with the priest, but part of the reverence happens with me as well, and how I'm approaching the mass, how I'm coming to it, not just what am I coming to get from it, but what am I coming to, you know, what am I coming to give? Because really is what liturgy means, the work of the people's us coming to give to God our praise and to receive his goodness from him. I mean, that's what we're presenting in the sacrifice. Part of the sacrifice is our sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. I'd also say that like differentiating and asking ourselves, what voices are we listening to? And that's, that's true, not just in what we're talking about in terms of the different influencers, Catholic influencers, but also like what's the internal voices that we're listening to? And are these things building up the body of Christ? Or are these things tearing it down? Mm. Is this planting doubt? Or is this increasing faith? Is this, again, using, is this increasing my hope? Or is this causing me to despair? Because God speaks to us through an increase in faith, hope, and love, versus the enemy who tears down faith, hope, mm. and love. And that's yeah. one of the clearest ways in which we can discern the voice of God, especially if God is speaking to us through another person. Like, is this person building up? Is my faith, hope, and love increasing, or is it decreasing? Mm. And so, like, using that as just my model, because, like, especially, like, especially when you look at all these things, like, if, if I'm listening to a person who is uh, alluding or inferring certain things, but it's, it's like, it's very cynical. Like, that's usually with a lot of these people in the far right or the far left, is that there's a level of cynicism, and cynicism feeds upon doubt. Mm. Like it's the, it's the, I don't know everything. And so like, there's the possibility that this could be true. But that's not how God works. God, at least not how he's spoken to me. God speaks through wisdom and knowledge and understanding. God speaks through clarity and ver versus like these other voices. And that's going all the way back to the garden is like the voice of Satan is subtle mm. and it's deceptive. And most of what Satan speaks, most of what Satan speaks, especially in the garden of Eden story, as well as throughout the rest of scripture Satan speaks predominantly truth. He just leaves pieces out. Mm -hmm. He doesn't give you the full picture. Because what he tells Eve, oh, you're not going to die. She didn't die immediately. Right. Yeah. It just took a long time and a lot of suffering in between before right. she finally died. But, did, but what is, that's what I'm saying. People can speak the truth, but it's twisted. Mm. And when you omit certain things intentionally, especially, but sometimes some of these some of these persons are omitting the full, which other people who don't have the full knowledge and don't have the full picture are being deceived, and that's where they're, some of these these persons are preying upon the ignorance, not the stupidity, but the ignorance of people that they don't have the full picture. That's where like God gives us authority, and that's where also like this whole what I see in the in the culture especially is this attack upon all authority. The only authority that actually is left in that case is the I. And so like these voices which are challenging all, all the authority of the church, all the bishops are corrupt, all priests are terrible, all this thing, no, some. Mm -hmm. And like, so bringing it back down, that's where like these voices, like what voices are we listening to? And are these things building up faith, hope, and love? Are they building up the church or are they tearing it down? Now you can be critical of the church and build it up. And that's where like the church needs healthy criticism. Absolutely. But we don't need unhealthy criticism, especially criticism which is just criticism for the sake of criticism or because it promotes my own agenda. Or because it gets us more, more followers or clicks or followers sure. or anything else. So guys, I, I think I'm, I feel really blessed by this conversation. 
Um, hopefully, too, for all those that are watching, you guys feel blessed by this conversation, too. Our hope is, is not to, to influence you towards, towards our side. We want, we want you to fall in love with Jesus. That, that, that's really what this show is all about. Um, and following him as members of the church that he founded, which is the Catholic Church. So I'm so grateful to uh, Father Doug, Father Tom, and for you all for joining us. For all of our supporters on Patreon, thank you so much uh, for supporting us. Thank you for all those who like, share, and subscribe uh, to these videos <laughs> and podcasts. Uh, we can't do it without you. So until next time, we'll see you. God bless.